morning, everyone. What a great day. Awesome Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And wishing you the best. Uh, hopefully and prayerfully, you'll get the chance and opportunity to hear from your children today. We wish you well. This is uh, part of our series of a fruitful summer and a fruitful church is a church that has a lot of fathers. We need fathers in our congregation uh, to be present, to be there uh, for those maybe that come from fatherless homes. Uh, I just read a, a few minutes ago, I was looking up some statistics, and it says that 63% uh, of all uh, teen suicides are in fatherless homes. So by the father being absent brings uh, a lot of issues to the table uh, that shouldn't be there if the father was present. So fathers, I implore you to be present in your children's lives, to be available, uh, to be the sounding board that your sons and your daughters need in their life to be able to talk to with the troubles and issues that's going on especially in the culture we live because uh, in this day and age, the things of bullying, of all the tactics that's going on in the school system, of school shootings and everything else, uh, just makes me wonder if we were truly a nation of fathers and the fathers had a say in their children's life and would listen, would we be able to fend off some of those things? Amen? We need fathers in America. Um, but in our fruit-filled series, we're going through the gifts or the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians, and we have always talked about how that the ants in Proverbs that Solomon said that the ants are not a great people, uh, but they store up things for the winter because of the wisdom that they have, the wisdom that God gives them. So today as we think about this, that if the ants are smart enough to store up for winter, so should the dads. Amen? If we're going to put it in, Brad's rubbing his belly, so he's, he's storing up his uh, winter supply, kind of like a hibernating bear, I guess, that can go sleep for the winter. So a fruitful person is a person that is able and capable of storing up for hard times. And let's think about that for fathers, that fathers need to be individuals in our nation, in the home, in our church, where that they store up enough of these two fruits that we're going to talk about today to be able to store them up enough, even during the hardest of times, that these two things will be present. And the two topics today, and I want us to talk about some things that we've talked about before, uh, Week one, we talked about patience and kindness. Week two of this uh, fruit-filled series, we talked about faith, hope, and love. Uh, week three, we talked about long-suffering, learning to wait. Uh, week four, we talked about instilling faith, a worthwhile cause, that faith is important. Uh, that's the one that uh, we spoke about there. And then week five, one, two, three, four, five, was grace. That's where we had our missionaries come in. And Brother Radon talked about grace and how it needs to be present. 
uh, for it to be a fruit in our life. And uh, last week we talked about mercy, that mercy needs to be available, readily available at all points of our life, that we need to extend mercy. And then today for Father's Day we're talking about peace and gentleness. So if there's anything that I need to speak to fathers or dads today about is that I would implore you to be a father that has peace and that has gentleness in your home. There's a scripture I want us to look at. Um, going the wrong way. Shot it yesterday. Now I've got 18 cars on my phone, so I've got all kinds of pictures of old cars. Anyway, um, talking about provoking your children. It's in Colossians chapter three, verse 21. It says, "Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged." And if you look at children and watch children and I love people watching. I love sitting and watching people in a crowd and, and seeing how people interact with each other. And you can tell if someone's discouraged, they don't conduct themselves the way that somebody maybe that gets encouragement would conduct themselves. So fathers, today as this scripture is talking to us in Colossians chapter 3 that Paul's writing to the to church there at Colossae and he's saying, fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. If your kids are always mad, and it isn't just by not, you're allowed to say no. So am I saying that your kids are not going to be mad? I, I can't say that. If you tell your kid no, guess what? They're going to be mad. Uh, right, Missy? You, I'm sure little Jace, if, if Brad tells him no, that he can't get in the Ford in the middle of the floor, he's probably going to get mad, right? There's going to be a, a little bit of being mad. But there's a difference between being mad and anger. So dad shouldn't always be the person that's always the no person. Come on, somebody. Dad shouldn't have to always be the no person. So what does that mean? That means mothers, come on, dads, mothers need to step up sometimes and say no. Uh-oh, I'm going to step on some toes today. Guess why? Because as we see this, that if the dad is always the no guy, the anger that is provoked by that is something that God tells us not to do. So both parents are co-parents. Amen? Both should be involved in parenting or rearing of children. So as God is telling us here today that fathers provoke not your children to anger, mothers has got to step it up a little bit. Why is there no amen from the women in here? What's the deal? I don't understand. It's, it, seems, it seems like, I don't know, there's no involvement. There's no engagement here. So women need to say no sometimes. You need to tell your kids no. So that don't leave that up to dad. Don't leave the dad to always be the disciplinarian. Amen. Because we need our children to love and respect and cherish both parents. So as we say this, Paul is writing this to, his, to the fathers there in that church, and he's telling them, provoke not your children anger, lest they be discouraged. And a discouraged kid is not a kid that can think. 
uh, creatively. A discouraged kid is a kid that can't act like other kids. A discouraged kid is a kid that won't uh, conduct herself in a crowd the way that they should. They should be able to ha have fun and be a kid. Amen? A discouraged kid is one that's going to be a recluse. They're going to push everything away. They're going to stay in a corner. And then they're going to be the kid that has issues in life. So as for the Father's Day today, I want us to be a church as Bethesda, a church that has kids that are going to be successful in life. That we grow them up and raise them up to be the people that God has called them to be. That they won't have to think back and say, well, my dad was absent in my life. My dad didn't go to the ball games. My dad didn't do this. And my mom always told me yes, and my dad always told me no. So we need to fix some of these things. So women, that's your charge today on Father's Day. And you know I always pick on dads on Mother's Day. So it's just fair for us to turn the tables, right? But there's a verse in Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24, that talks about provoking. But it's telling us to provoke. So we got Colossians tells us, don't provoke our kids to anger, right? Don't provoke them to anger because they're going to be discouraged. But then Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. So don't provoke your kids to anger. Don't always make them mad. Don't always tell them no. Have some yes things. What can we do? Yes. Well, let's go to Kids Blast next weekend. There's a big yes. Do you want to have fun? Don't build a fort in the middle of the... I've seen this on Brad's picture. His living room looks like a fort city. I've seen got a tent built up in the middle of it. Uh, Missy's got him all set up. But don't provoke our chi children to wrath or telling them no. Bring them to Kids Blast. That's a yes. That's a way for success. So as, as this, and if whenever they come next week, guess what they're going to learn about whenever they come to Kids Blast next Saturday? Albie and Dusty's got it set up. They've got things, and Mom's going to have a table set up with all kinds of candy. How many, kids love candy. Amen? So as they come, they're going to have a good time, and, and Albie's going to teach them a lesson on Jesus walking on water. It's all about water, so they're going to be slipping, sliding, throwing water balloons, I'm sure, all kinds of stuff. The church needs to be a fun place for kids. Church should not be a place that they are disgruntled, that they're taken back and saying, oh, man, we've got to go again. I thank God for Bethesda that we allow kids to take up offering to do all kinds of stuff, that, that they're allowed to be actively engaged in the service. I've been in churches where the, the kids were made to sit and be quiet, and if they even hiccuped, somebody would smack them in the back of the head. And sometimes people tell me, it says, you know, I'm, I'm worried about coming whenever somebody will come new and they, maybe their kid will take off running around there. I said, I don't care. It don't bother me. I'm okay with that. I would rather there be kids here than no kids here. Amen? We need to be a church that's welcoming to kids. And there needs to be some fathers in the room that will be parents too, amen, that will help us in rearing of kids because whenever a single mother comes in and they've got three or four kids with them and they're running around we need some fathers in the room maybe the father's not present in that kid's life and that's why I look at myself I don't have any kids of my own 
But if I get a chance to encourage or to lift up or provoke a kid to love, I try to do that. And to good works. I hope and pray that I can be an example that they'll look and say, I want to do what Pastor Ben does. I want to love people, and I want to try to have some good works. What is good works? What's good works? Why would the Apostle Paul write this to the Hebrew people that he's telling them to cherish one another, consider one another, and provoke each other to love and to good works? What's the best work on the planet? The best work on the planet is putting the gospel out there for people to hear and know about a man named Jesus that maybe they've never heard of. There's people in our county, and Leslie can attest to this because she goes on some of the house visits sometimes with the uh, student resource leader and, and goes and talks. And, and there's kids in Lewis County right here in our very own county that's living in campers And she's went up to him before, no underpinning, nothing around a camper, and two little kids will get off the bus, no coat, and sometimes in flip-flops and shorts in the middle of the winter. You think they've got a lot of things around in their neighborhood that they're saying, man, there's some good works. So I thank God as a church that we can be involved in that, that we can help with that. Amen? That missions is not just about globally, but it's about here in our own neck of the woods, if you want to say it that way. So fathers need to be involved in that. So what kind of good works can we do? Whenever Leslie goes down every month, I, I'm working, but if I get a chance to get off work, I want to go down to the, to the food pantry that they do down in Toesboro. It's a really awesome opportunity for us to go down as a church and help provoke one another to love and good works because there's people that come through that line that don't have food unless they go through that line. There's kids that are eating today because of what Leslie and uh, Mackenzie went because Missy, uh, Mackenzie's the missions leader at church. Leslie asked her to go with her last week. Mackenzie gets a babysitter, takes off and goes down with Leslie and they help do this. They have to pack. It's a job. It's work. And another cool thing is, is in Lewis County, actually the jailer lets some of the people that's in jail go down and help with this event. They sing Christian songs. There's usually a, a sermon too, right? Somebody preaches a message. And they give away all this food. That's good works. Every month out of our missions money that comes into Bethesda, we give a check every month for $50 to that event to help buy some food for some people that don't have food. I'm thankful for Bethesda to be a place that has some good works. Amen. I'm thankful that Bethesda will put on a cruise in, a car show for people that maybe don't attend church that come up there every year. There's, there's, there's a guy come up yesterday It's like, you know what, we come to this event every year. We love this event. I don't know if he's saying that's because it's free. <laughs> Probably because I've seen another church that's charging a registration fee. There's a Christian church in Greenup that's going to have the same event we just had yesterday in a few weeks, and they're charging a registration fee. Good works is doing something without anything in return. 
One guy yesterday walked up. He doesn't attend church, and I don't know what. And he's like, I, "Here's the money." I said, "We don't need any money. This is free." He didn't understand it. He's done this every year. He said, I, I can't do it for free. And he stuffed $10 in my pocket. So guess where the $10 went? BGMC. Guess where that $10 is going to go? It's going to go buy Sunday school supplies and maybe some food or whatever's needed to some kid around in a nation all the way to the opposite side of the earth. Why? Because it's provoking one another to good works. And sometimes people will do good works just because they see you doing good work. And sometimes you can't tell them no. I told him no two or three times and he stuffed it in my pocket anyway. Amen? Good works is addictive. What if we would make it so addictive that we have loved each other so much that as fathers and as, as husbands that we love our wives so much that people would see it and it would, it would be so addictive that even the, the non-Christian people would be so uh, taken back by how we treat each other that they say, man, I want to be like that. Amen. That's how Christians should act. I think Paul's writing this to the Hebrews because maybe they weren't acting this way. Amen. I think there's things in Scripture, maybe sometimes, that God's telling us because that's the, not the way we act, and he's trying to line us out a little bit. He's trying to provoke us today to love and to good works. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. Now I've got to get over to my other slides. Oh, here's one. So recently, there's an individual. A lot of times people act one way and you can tell kindly how they feel, but then eventually the word gets back to you. So there's this person that word got back to me that he talked about my wife. That's dangerous ground. I'll just let you know. And he says that my wife does not conduct herself the way a preacher's wife should. Because she jokes. Because she laughs. She has a good time. She don't wear long hair. She ain't always in a long dress. She ain't sitting at the piano. She ain't doing it the way he wants it done. And he says, my wife is not a very good example of a pastor's wife. So this term bothers me. It's called a misogynist. I looked up the word on, on the internet just to see it. And it says, a strongly prejudiced against women. So I'm around this individual, and God puts him in my path. How many of those God will put people in your path that will aggravate the daylights out of you? Amen. So I go down to the auction, and guess who's sitting there? And guess what I hear him saying right out in the wide open in front of God and everybody? He's sitting there at the auction, and he's telling my mom that my mom's wrong about a checkbook. Women shouldn't be allowed to have a checkbook. 
And he goes to church. This is not a this is not a some lost out in La La Land guy. This is a guy that goes and sits in church every Sunday. He goes every Wednesday. He goes every Sunday night. But all he does is run around all over town telling everybody else how wrong they are. And he wouldn't receive one inch of instruction himself. But it's true in the church that there are people that sit in the pews that are misogynists. And it's very clear in the Bible. Let me get over here to this one. Galatians chapter 3, verse 20, 28. Listen to this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That made some Jews mad, didn't it? When Paul's writing this to Jewish people and he's telling them there's neither Jews nor Greeks. Well, there's always been Jews and Greeks. The Jews have always separated themselves from all, all society. Well, you mean I, I can't go into Egypt? Why? Because that's a different people than me. I can't go over into to Samaria. That's, that's a different group of people than me. I can't go up into Libya. I can't go up into Turkey. I can't go over into Rome. I can't go anywhere because I only want to be around people like me. And they isolated themselves to a point where that that's not very godly. Somebody say Amen. Isolation of ourselves into our own little simplistic way of thinking that I am the only one right is the wrong direction to go in. So God speaks through the Apostle Paul and speaks back to the Galatian church and says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. How would you like to hear that whenever you got a couple of slaves? Huh? How would you like to hear that verse? If you're there in Galatia and Paul's writing this verse to you and you're sitting in the church pew that day and Paul's letter comes into the church and the pastor stands up and he says, Paul's got an awesome letter for us today. And it says there's neither Jew nor Greek. And everybody's sitting there like, well, I'm Jew. I don't know. There's neither bond nor free. Well, I don't know. I've got a couple of slaves. And they're looking at it from their viewpoint. But guess what? If there was a slave in the room, they're sitting there thinking, well, praise God, finally somebody is talking about freedom here. There is neither male nor female. This hurts the dads, but I got to get on some dads on Dad's Day. We feel like we're in charge. And I love how this verse ends. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Awesome of a verse is that. I think this is the liberating verse that we should have as a banner as Christians. <laughs> that there is neither Jew nor Greek. Does God care more about Jerusalem than he does Vanceburg? Nope. Should we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Absolutely. But guess what? We should pray for the peace of Vanceburg. Amen? Sometimes preachers get on a tangent to think that the Holy Land is something holy. And guess what Jesus did? He came to tear down all that stuff to say that I'm going to make the whole world holy. Amen? In the Old Testament, only the Jews were allowed involved in it. They wouldn't even allow a Gentile to come in. They'd let them pray on the steps, but that's as far as you can go. You can't come into the temple courts. 
They got all tore up when the Romans did that, right? So they won't allow anybody else in. They was an exclusionist. They, they wouldn't let anybody in. But as we're here today and think about this, that the, the fruit that God wants us to have today to store up is this, is patience or peace and gentleness. So what if fathers would convey some peace to the world that we're living in? What if Vanceburg and, and Lewis County and Greenup County as a whole would be a place that we could promote and pursue peace? I had to do that. Because when I got, got, a, got a guy in the community talk about my wife being ungodly and tell my mom that she's unfit because she's got a checkbook in her hand, I want to punch him in the nose. I literally do. I want to punch him in the nose. That's the old me. That's the Ben Collier, the old version. And if I was about 21 years old, he probably wouldn't want to say those things in my ear. I, I wouldn't care if he's 65 or 95. You're not going to treat my people that way, right? But as a Christian, guess what? i got to take the high road, whether I like it or not. And I had to sit there and think, now, I could get up and cause a scene right here. But I'm just going to promote peace. I'm going to provoke one another to love. Amen? And good works. And good works is keeping your mouth shut even when you want to talk. It's hard to do. But that's what God wants us to do. That's the fruit he wants us to speak. But guess what? When I get in my own church building and I'm standing here with a microphone, I can encourage the people of Bethesda. It's not my job to lay the whole groundwork right for everybody out in society. He's just got me as pastor of this church right here. And I try to pastor a community. I try to be an example. But here today, I want to tell us today, it's not good to be a misogynist. I want to call it out for what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's sin. Now, I would hate to stand before God someday and say that I've put down every woman that's ever been involved in my life and ever been anywhere involved in my community or anything else, and I've spoke down to them. I'd hate to stand for an almighty, holy God and have to take account for that. Now, should women submit themselves to the husband? Yeah. Scripture teaches that. That don't mean lay down and let them stomp all over you. Amen? Submitting means allowing them to lead. Allow your husband to lead your home. Allow your husband to lead in the community. Allow your husband, promote them, build them up, encourage them, strengthen them. Be their helpmate that the Bible speaks about. It's true scripture. But does it mean the man is the boss of the woman or, or the God of the woman? Let me tell you something right now. What it says here in Galatians, there's neither male nor female. What God is saying is I'm going to have a relationship with everybody on an individual basis and nobody's going to be revolved, involved in between me and anybody that I want to come in contact with. Men are not gods. There shall be no other God before me. It's what God wants a relationship on an individual basis. So today, this gentleness... And this peace that God promotes is something, a fruit that we need to bear. And as husbands, as community leaders, as youth pastor, bunch of kids, hooligans, hoodlums, 
Doc, you're down there all day, every day at Garrison. Got a bunch of hoodlums, man. There's, there's a lot of them comes in out of that store. <laughs> and it's, it gets tiresome, don't it, Doc? Yeah. Doc's there, and he cleans all day long. He's always got a broom, and a, he's sweeping, and he's taking the trash out, and he's getting the pump set straight there, and, and people come in. Man, they're mean, ain't they? There's, there's rude people. Be an agent of peace, Doc. Live your life for peace. Even when we get mad, man. Even when somebody mistreats you. Even when you've just cleaned up an area and somebody comes in and sits down and they just throw their stuff on the floor like it don't matter. Well, Doc will get it. Just go over and just smile at him real big and clean it up. Say, God bless you. Peace. Gentleness. Wouldn't the world be a better place if this is how we conducted that's what God wants us to be fruitful in this summer. And do it even when you don't like to. Do it even when you don't feel like it. Do it even when you've had a bad day at work and a guy's sitting there talking down to your mom. Have some self-control. Hold back just a little. It's hard to do. But the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength even when I don't want to. It's not my strength. It's his. A godly person will do what God wants. Let's stand. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to come into your house. God, we're thankful for the kids here at Bethesda. Lord, I pray that, that the fathers in the room today, Lord, would be a blessing to their community. They would be a blessing to their church. They would be a blessing to their home. They would be a blessing to this world. God, I pray that you would just allow them to bear the fruit of peace and of gentleness. Lord, that we could lead and be the example that you've called us to be to our community. Help us to provoke one another to love and to good works that you spoke to us in Hebrews. Help us to hold back and not provoke our kids to anger. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage the women in this room to help to begin to lead and say no in the seasons of life. Sometimes when it would be easier for them just to step back and say, let the, God, let the dad say no, let the father say no. Lord, the women in this room would step up and say, I'm going to tell my kids no. Help us to bear the fruit of gentleness and peace as a church. Let us be agents for change.